Swoop, it's Take the Plunge, a podcast about how business owners decided to stop what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own businesses. We take a look at how they came to that decision and what those first crucial steps were in getting their business up and running. My name is Kieran, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Emma Thompson, founder of multi-award winning skincare and body care brand Behaven Body Care, voted Ulster Tackler's Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year 2023. Emma runs the business along with her daughter, Brooke, and is an ethical beekeeper and breeder, using the byproducts from her hives to produce many of the natural skincare products she t- sells on her website, app, and retail store. Emma has built a large following on social media, where she shares videos about keeping bees and the day-to-day running of her skincare brand. You're very, very welcome to the pod, Emma. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Well, great, great having you on, Emma. Uh, so if I could take you back to the very, very beginning and could you tell us a little bit about kind of what you were doing before kicking off the business and was it something that just happened instantly or was it something that you were thinking about for a long time? It, it just happened. It ju- and honestly, if I, whenever I look back, if I'd have known everything in the, in the five years from starting to now, I probably wouldn't have done it. It would have felt felt like such an incredible hard journey, but actually in retrospect, it it hasn't been because it's just been a natural thing. So um, why did I start? I I literally solved a problem in my own skin um, and decided then that maybe I could help other people. So that kind Mm -hmm. of spurred on the... um, initial base of the body care business but I was a beekeeper prior to that so everything just kind of meshed and sort of became a bigger thing because Mm. it was already there all the little parts happened all at different times and I suppose one of the obvious questions is how did you get into bees so do you know what's really funny it's really really funny because it was more so I've my full journey from beekeeper to business owner um really has spurred on from this issue the, the skin issue basically so oh, i was a beekeeper for about five years um and i had terrible acne from you know 11 right through until four or five well four or five years ago um and i got into beekeeping because i was on this journey to heal my gut to heal my skin mm-hmm. um and somebody had said to me you know i tried everything all sorts of stuff you know um, creams and antibiotics, all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Never worked. It was just got worse. So uh, somebody had said to me, what about your gut bacteria? And I was like, what's that? <laughs> Get into the microbiomes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Didn't know anything yeah. about it. Um, but as, hap- as always happens with me, I go down the rabbit hole and become completely obsessed. I had become completely obsessed <laughs> with my gut microbiome. I was making my own kombucha, kefir. I was making my own yogurt. I was making all of these things that I was yeah. eating like in abundance. And my skin had started to improve. But everything was, you know, a bit rotten, really. I was still doing that. <laughs> but, you know, so I had read then on my sort of Google search of probiotic foods that raw honey was probiotic. So I decided, yeah. I decided to get some raw honey. And it arrived, I bought it online because I didn't, I didn't even know locally where yeah. you would buy raw honey. There's loads of beekeepers around here, but I didn't know that. Didn't yeah. know. Beekeepers are like cars. You know, whenever you see a car and you go, oh, I've never seen that before. And then you see. And then you see them. Yeah. Yeah. Beekeepers. So I had taken a spoonful of this raw honey and I was like, well, yeah. 
amazing. I hadn't had like lovely honey like that since I was a child. We had yeah. this, I don't know if you had it whenever you were younger, but we had, everybody had the same honey back then. There must have only been like a few variants. Yeah, I can describe the. Yes, we yes. In a white top, red top, but I think it was called clover. Yes, I, yes, I remember it. I have it in my porridge in the morning as a yeah, kid. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. And then obviously everything gets ruined, doesn't it? So now <laughs> the honey that we have isn't even really honey. But anyway, I'm not talking about that. So I took a spoonful of the honey and as I was sitting in my living room, I can still see it. I picked up my phone and I started to Google, where does honey come from? I literally didn't know. So I'm 44 <laughs> now. So I was 38, 39. Yeah. No, I wasn't. That was beekeeping. So that was about 10 years ago. So 34, 35. Yeah. Didn't really understand the journey of nectar, bee and honey. So as I was reading about it, and it wasn't even just that bees make honey. Oh, wow. Isn't that fantastic? It was, I yeah. really got involved, like really got interested in their behavior and how they mm -hmm. communicate. And, you know, Lots of things in life pass us over and they just sort of pass us by. We think about them for a second and then we move on to something else. Mm -hmm. And there's been a few things that have, have hit me smack bang, bang in the face and I haven't been able to move on for them. I just knew that bees never, never thought about them before. Actually had never physically remember seeing a, a, a honeybee before. I, I, I'm sure I had, but I probably thought they were wasps. I didn't, so that I'd never had a relationship or a thought process or an interest in anything to do with bees. And from that mm -hmm. point on, I went down the rabbit hole and within a year, I'd done my introduction to beekeeping course. And then I got my first couple of hives that summer after. And that's how it all started with the beekeeping. So again, I, it was a skin thing, you know? Yeah, but I'm super curious just on if we can go into that little rabbit hole for a second. Okay. <laughs> you don't want uh, to go into the rabbit hole? <laughs> no, I'm just a little bit because you, re you really piqued my curiosity. So there's two things there. It's like, how does one find courses on bees? Uh, mm. Is it a big thing in the around the Belfast area? <laughs> it's thing in Ireland. <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah it I'm is fascinated. massive. Yeah, tell me. So I need to look out for these beekeepers. And then secondly, where does one go get a load of hives? Where do you have to like, Get, get your area or your garden ready before bringing them in or no. how did that all work? No, bees are amazing at being bees, right? Yeah. Bees don't need... <laughs> That's the quote. They don't need, you know, a kennel. They don't need... They can just... You just so what happens is, and again, it's that thing, once you've asked the question, now that you've pondered it, something yeah. will happen over the next week or two and you'll be like, there it is, there's that beekeeping thing. So no there's way. a thing called the um, Ulster Beekeeping Association. Um, of course there is. There's, then there's a variant of that across the border. And then, of, of course, there's the um, British Beekeeping Association. Um, and that's where you find your course. Now, I didn't know. I had kind of, I think I probably Googled that too. How do you yeah. become a beekeeper? Um, so in every area, locality, there's a beekeeping association. So I live in Ballygowan. In Calinchy, there's a beekeeping association. In Belfast, there's a beekeeping association. But you would Blow never know. Mind. You Blow would never mind. know. You know? Yeah. Um, and beekeepers randomly just look like everybody else. You know, they're not all, yeah. you know, we're not kind of. I wouldn't put you down as a stereotypical beekeeper yeah. myself <laughs> now, but uh, not that I know many, but. Most of them are retired gentlemen, I have to say. So, <laughs> yeah. so once. Do you have once, like meetups and stuff? Well, I don't so much anymore, uh, but yes, <laughs> heavily. 
it's heavily, heavily <laughs> functioning like a... around a committee. I'm not a committee. I'm not that person. <laughs> I can't be bothered with committees. Not interested. Well, look, and it's stuff for good day in the committee. Sorry, I'm really rabbit out here, but I'm so fascinated. <laughs> this is, no, this is great. I'm glad we've read this way. Well, let me just say, they like to talk at length about bee diseases. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> is there any... Is there like a COVID or a epidemic hitting bees? Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. And there, yeah. Oh, there is, yeah. I mean, once you've learned about it once, that's kind of enough. But they talk about it every month. So right. there's things called, like varroa mites and there's, oh, there's lots of different things. Yeah. Like you get lots of information. It's a good community. If you're starting out, you've done your introduction to beekeeping course. At the end of that course, you in the beekeeping association, they'll have somebody who will be... Um, he will give you what's known as a nucleus. You'll buy it. You know, it's I don't yeah. know, 250 quid. I don't think it was yeah. that expensive whenever I bought it, but they're very expensive now as everything is. About 250 quid, and that'll get you a nucleus of bees, which is basically yeah. a mated queen and a small colony. Gotcha. In the course, then, you will also find out how to build your hive, how to buy your hive, what suit to buy. Um, all of those things are sort of given to you in the course and also on the course as well, which is it's, it's very important for people to do it is you're given a mentor for your first year. Mm. Um, beekeeping is one of those things. It's like whenever you learn how to drive and you get your tests and up here, you get our plates, but you really still don't yeah. have to do what you're doing. You have no idea. So, and, and, and does the mentor come along when you're doing the first kind of collection and stuff like that? And is it a bit like, you know, when you're learning to drive and you've got your parents in the car and you're absolutely fume yeah. and you're like, get them yeah, out of my yeah. fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> is it the same? So the beekeeper does come along. It's more it's more for your first inspections. And obviously you get your bees like sort of in June time usually. Um, and then obviously you're smack bang in the middle of swarming season. So, you know, the, the main issues for a beekeeper in their first year is, are my bees going to swarm? And what do I do if they do? And the answer is, yes, they are going to swarm. And there's really not much you can do. So, you know, so there's all of those things. Looking out for swarm, um, it, you kind of look in the hive to see are they sw swarmy are, are they going to yeah. swarm so it's it's like learning the bee language and that's what you really do for the first couple of years you i still learn 10 years on every time i go into the hives there's something something i've done and it's like well i shouldn't have done that i'll not do that again yeah or you know oh that really worked let's let's remember that and then you forget it of mm. course you, you, everything happens differently each time you go into the hive i i feel anyway so the, the beekeeping course is just great for that. You get your equipment. You need to be safe at the hives too. I mean, I've had yeah. um, a few, you know, incidents with um, multiple stings, and let me tell you, it's not pretty. It is pretty. How long? How? What are you? What's the damn? What's the downtime you're talking here? I had to take two weeks off work. I, okay. I got about hundred oh. stings to the to the head and the face. Oh, I didn't zip my up. You know, it's. And I was shaking bees in and they were angry because I had them in a an observation hive. I was doing an event for the National Trust. So I'd taken these frames of bees out of the hive and put them in a glass fronted, you know, temporary kind of hive. And it was a mm -hmm. warm day, so they were not amused. And I put my suit on and didn't zip this bit. So this Jesus. Was, it was only a tiny gap of bees. They they can find, they, they will find, even though they're small, they will find the hole. They'll always find the hole. So I shook the bees back into the hive and they went, whoo. Um, oh no! Yeah, and it, I had a little bit more hair then, but they um, were in my head, sticking it. So anyway, my I thought it was funny. Dad and I had a great laugh about it because Dad and I did the bees together. 
My mum, who's a nurse, didn't think it was just quite so funny. My whole face swollen up. My eyes were at the side of my head. I knew, I, like, I had nothing here. It was just so... I like an avatar like, or something. I looked like an avatar. I did. I do you know what? Maybe after this, I'll send you the... I'll send, I'll that, that can be the pack shot. And you can actually... You can actually use that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah, we really rabbit hole there. Uh, so, so from uh, learning uh, about it and stuff like that, how did you kind of, having kind of mastered a little bit, how did you take that on in terms of starting to, to produce bees or produce honey and so on and so forth? Like, was that an easy transition or was it kind of a gradual process? It kind of happens naturally, the whole honey thing, but it's it's knowing when to, when to put zippers on, knowing when to take the zippers off and things like that. We would see ourselves more, and this is a term that I think is not greatly loved in the wider beekeeping community, but we would consider ourselves ethical beekeepers. So we don't clip our queen's wings gotcha. half off, which, which kind of helps with swarms. We don't do that. Um, and we try not to mark our queens with pen. Although I did get into queen rearing this year, so I did start this year to breed my own queen bees and actually you do need to mark them so you know what age they are. Mm. And we, we don't lift our honey off as soon as it comes on. Like a lot of people, a lot of beekeepers do, especially this year, there's massive honey drought. We've had almost zero because of our ethical, um, because of the wet July, it was terrible. And so I was about to say, yeah, what causes that? Like, is it, cause would you say Ireland has a nice climate for bees normally or? Um, Ireland has a nice climate. <laughs> Ireland doesn't have a nice climate. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Like... That's a lie. Ireland's craft, right? But... <laughs> now, what you want is... It's what, like equator or something? Yeah, I mean, it's totally the wrong place to keep bees because it's wet all of the time. No, our season's very short. So nectar flow, whenever a flower's in bloom, it doesn't necessarily... Hold on a wee second, hold on. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, it's a bin man. Sorry. <laughs> right. Oh, so whenever a flower is in bloom, it doesn't necessarily mean that the flowers in nectar flow. Really, in um, I can only speak. I don't know if it's different. I'm sure it's different further on down south of of yeah. Ireland. I'm sure it's very different, but I can only speak for 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 the north and my little bit. Um, we have our sort of our volume of nectar flow is in July. Yeah. So the bees will get a little bit early spring from dandelions and things like that. Mm. The bees will then get a wee bit in May and they'll store that. There's a, Out of the four weeks in June, there's really only two of those weeks that there's a nectar flow. There's actually a dry, there's actually a nectar gap in June where we have to feed the bees because there's nothing yeah. about there's a, there's a gap in the nectar flow. July is whenever those bees collect the most volume of nectar and turn that into honey. They'll fill supers. They could fill a super a week or more of... of um, honey um and then august there's a little bit of a gap and then kind of september time they collect ivy ivy is in abundance in northern ireland but ivy honey the bees can't eat it's oh. it, it's it solidifies too much for their, for their jaws so july is the month july this i don't know if it was a, it was a disaster, uh, it was a disaster. the wettest on record so yeah. because we we could have lifted out frames of honey that they collected in May, but I don't do that. I leave my honey on until end of August, end of September, so that the bees can get what they need. And also because we're very slightly lazy. We don't... <laughs> 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 They're happy enough. They're like, you take what you need. Give us a bit of breathing space. You know, and that's kind of worked well for us. So 
this year because we didn't do that the bees were in the hive they couldn't come out because it was so wet the rain was washing the nectar away I mean, the plants were soaking um so they were eating the stores that they had and they weren't collecting any so what happened then is you know it they it turned into quite a like they were so angry because in august <laughs> Honestly, please have emotions. I'd say they were proper fuming with that tonight. Yeah, they were absolutely raging, right? That's what we said. Absolutely raging. Scundered. Do you not say scundered? Scundered. They were scundered, right? Absolutely scundered. Because they didn't, they weren't in the position. Bees are very intelligent. They weren't in the position that they needed to be in to start preparing no for winter. So um, we. What, what, what's goes then, what goes then in winter? Well, like bees, honeybees don't hibernate. Bumblebees and wasps do hibernate. Yeah. Um, as as single mated queens, they don't hibernate as a colony. But honeybees, they don't ever stop. They're they're a living organism right through all of the seasons. So, uh, the queen can last three to five years. The the honeybees, the workers, and the drones and stuff, they re they only last about thirty days, or the drones only yeah. last until they mate. But over winter, they need to keep that hive at a constant temperature. I think it's about 34 degrees. They cluster around the queen and they just, they just, they don't do anything. They don't really come out unless it's like a really mild day. Yeah. And they'll come out for toilet breaks and things like that. that they don't in the hive. <laughs> and they can hold it in for quite a long time. But in the winter, they need food. So they need to have food so that they can survive. They just eat stores mm. and keep warm all winter. So if they, so that's what honey is. Honey, yeah. bees, Honeybees eat nectar as fuel, but they store mm -hmm. nectar as honey, which is dehydrated, and they cap it off and they store honey so that they can have that on a rainy day and over winter. So they didn't have that. The food shortage also caused the honeybees, the, the workers, to send a signal to the queen to say, listen, don't be laying so many eggs because we don't have enough food for the brood. And away. Smart that the colony isn't as, isn't as strong. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're just, it's almost like, so they were really cross because then they were like, you know, whenever the weather changed, they were out hunting for nectar and there really wasn't any. You know, there, was a, there was a gap in August before the ivy came on. And, and like, are you like just planting, planting flowers that are right in knots or do you just let them go explore themselves? Well, our apiary is in a rewilded landfill site, which sounds oh, awful, but it's beautiful. That's ideal, surely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we don't need to. We've got water there. We've got lovely rivers. We've got like a wetland. And it's Favorite. just filled with all of the natural flora and fauna that they would have, you know. Amazing. Um, apologies, I've really gone down that rabbit hole. So <laughs> I find it so interesting. Uh, so obviously you, you've learned all the insides out of, of beekeeping and, and starting to produce honey and raw and ethical honey. So how, how do you start thinking about it from a business perspective? Initially, do you start selling the honey? And, and does the how does the kind of thoughts around the body care and the skin care start to, to shape? So at my career, I suppose, um, my career was, and you didn't ask me about my career, but I'll just, my career was in yeah. sales and marketing. So I created a product that contained honey and my own beeswax that healed my skin. Mm -hmm. And because I had quite a long career in sales and marketing, I kind of, I kind of just went hell for leather and marketed that one product, which yeah. I used my honey and stuff for. And for the first few years, I only had a few products. I made some soap, some skin yeah. balms, and um, a few other bits and pieces. So I didn't need a massive amount. But um, 
we need to keep a we need to keep a contingency of honey so we didn't get any honey this year so we'll use last year's honey that we've still got left over so we're always kind of thinking about that but obviously then that leaves us without a contingency for next year so we're we're in a bit of a, a sticky situation but, well hey, hey well, i suppose talking about scalability for a second yeah. I, if you want to uh, start doing more with with behaving how do you are you going to probably counteract that in the future by expanding the the hive or what are your what are your thoughts on yeah on that? so what i that's why i got into queen rearing this year because yeah. you can be you can split hives yourself it's a little bit yeah. like a seed falling from a plant or getting gotcha. a getting a clipping and starting yeah. a new plant. you can actually do that with bees but what i did this year and, and started to learn the year before was queen rearing so we will mm -hmm. be able to build our colony so this year i bred 25 queens myself yeah. from like it's a thing called grafting um and from the 25 we got four four additional colonies which saved us a thousand pounds that would cut that would have right. cost grand. yeah Amazing. so that was my first year so we'll do that continuously you, you mentioned earlier on about marking a queen bee i'm just fascinated how mm -hmm. does one lock a bee down to be able to mark it in a little beekeepers are great right because most of them are inventors they've got a real inventive brain i don't have yeah. so there's, there's literally an odd looking contraption for everything nothing's beautiful nothing's you know it's, it's it all very functional and whatever so yeah. basically you get the queen and you pop her in this little cage and then you put yeah. like a, a thing inside it so that she can't get back out but you're not going to hurt like a bit of sponge yeah yeah yeah, yeah. stamp in a sense and then she's up at the top and she's got her the backs on her back and then you just yeah. a, a mark on her tracks but nah. listen let me tell you so it's very and very difficult i don't like to do it a lot of beekeepers who've been beekeeping for a long time be very very schooled at it and do it very naturally because yeah. i've never marked my queens this year was the first the first time that i ever marked my queens because i had to go right it was i killed the first queen i squashed <laughs> her. Sorry, i laugh. cut her head off I worked so hard. Did you have the mentor there devastated. with you? I cried. I was like that. Oh, I cut her head off. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real drama, isn't you it? You just got made it because you don't mark a queen before. You can't, well, oh, so I didn't kinda, mark my And queen. she just got made it as well. Oh, double, she just got made it. Whammy. She came back. She was laying beautiful eggs. Beautiful queen. Lovely big thought. Lovely big abdomen. Really well made. And I <laughs> cut her head off. Oh well, I suppose you live and learn, and and you you you've got a few more, so yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that is brilliant. And I suppose going back to the the sales and marketing side of things. So you, as you said, you had a background in in sales and marketing. You've this kind of first couple of batches. What kind of tactics are you using uh, when you're first starting to launch it? Given what your career was on in terms of getting this out to market. So my idea was that it was going to be a profitable hobby. It was going to be something that I could kind of kind of semi-retire for retire from work a little bit early and kind of do this as well as travel the world and things yeah. like that never yeah. gonna happen Look. now because i went too far with it now we've become a monthly <laughs> award i'm not retiring anytime soon that's me i'll be here until i die but so what so what i kind of thought was i didn't want i didn't want a website or anything like that um all of these things obviously have happened, uh, but yeah. I didn't want to. I was going to use Facebook, to be honest. I had mm -hmm. to get certified. You can't just make cosmetics and sell them. Although yeah. Many people do. You have to go through a certification process. There's yeah. a lot of groups and stuff. So I did that with two products and kind of sold them on Facebook. And I had bought my URL one night over Christmas. I think I maybe had a glass of wine too many. And I thought I should buy a URL. So I bought a URL 
Which yeah, no one what was it? Website. It was the uk, which isn't my website now. It's uk. But I bought that URL and then the, the website company kept on phoning me and offering me amazing deals for a year. Yeah. So, you know, my marketing tactic was really just focused around Facebook and social Facebook, media. Yeah. Yeah. And then because I got this deal on a website and I was also in hospital just before Christmas and I can't not do anything. So I, I, I built a website. Sure, what happened was very, I mean, looking back on it now, I'm, I'm embarrassed, but you know, it worked. Yeah, pretty Because I had a website, then I had this compulsion then, well, I haven't got enough stock for the website. Like, I haven't got enough things. It doesn't mm -hmm. look very good. Mm -hmm. So then I started mm -hmm. to create gift boxes and look into making more products. And that was really the sort of the, the, the thrust into probably yeah, yeah. Um, actually having a proper business. Yeah. I didn't I didn't quit my job until last December there. I was still working part time. I didn't And and I suppose how did you I just jumping into that for a second, what was the the switch switching point that you said, right, I'm finished working part time and going full time into that? Like what was was there a particular trigger that you're like, right, now's the time? So what happened was really we were it was solely website. I got a new mm -hmm. website made from Shopify. I got an app built as well, which has been very, very good for us. But it was solely website. So all I needed was an area to pick and pack out of. I was doing that from home and then it became too much. So I moved into this kind of, I would call it like a, a garage really that I rented. Yeah. In, in a, it's, it, was, it was very cold and all the rest, of it, but it was functional. It was very cheap and it, it worked for us. Mm -hmm. But it was away from my home and this area here that I'm in now, my shop, which is the old post office, came up. It's just around the corner from home. And I'd also grown a TikTok audience of, at that point, maybe like 50,000 or something due to the beekeeper in the business. Yeah, so I, yeah. I kind of wanted to monetize. Yeah. I wanted to monetize that. So I kind of thought if I could you know, stream live all day long, picking and packing orders and things like that, then I would upscale the website. I always yeah. wanted to bring my daughter in. Brooke's yeah. 27 now. She was 26 at the time. And she she's from a finance background, which I'm oh, really, great. Yeah, so really, really good. Not not interested in bees, terrified of them, right? But <laughs> <laughs> she's from a finance background. So I really wanted to create a space for her. However, I really didn't have the cash flow and the business wasn't, it wasn't that size yet. But as yeah. things kind of happened, whenever I moved in here, because I was in a very, like, uh, area where a lot of people walk past and drive past people started to wonder what i was doing so people yeah. were coming in and buying a few bits this was all boxes just so i started to yeah. use like you know a shop i suppose so that was the fundamental moment that was, that was the change as soon as yeah. i had a shop mentality i then created another revenue stream and actually that overtook the website by three yeah and at that point i brought brooke in she, there was enough room for her well, enough money to pay her, really, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Brought her in, and at that point, then, I had more time to make stuff. So we were selling more stuff due to that. So by the end of August, that the shop front, we moved in here in April. The shop front happened last July. And by the end of August, we had done what we would normally do in six months in one. Sure, and I right. was like, right, I'm going to give up. Something. I'm going to give up work in December. And yeah. um, it just gives me more time. I spend all day making. So we've increased yeah. our product range from what was then 101 products, which is a lot of products to make for one person. Yes. I've yeah. got like maybe 185, 190 wow. that I make um, in here. So I just across there is my little like manufacturing Amazing. area. So it's, 
so that that was whenever I was able I, I knew that if I had more time I could make more money I kind of realized that yeah. yeah yeah amazing and and going through the you kind of just describe it as a very laissez-faire type no no bother to your process but that process of getting certified from a cosmetic point of view uh, was that daunting at all was it easy to do how, how, how was that process absolutely horrific Kieran right I'm very dyslexic yeah and any of those any of those government legislation oh, I just can't I just I, I mean I can't I can't read it so yeah I had to you know a lot of the YouTube videos are wordy and lengthy and yeah, I'm a very yeah. creative person so I find it yeah. very difficult but again it was just one of those things that I took stage by stage um I remember sending off my first certification to the company that I used at the time, and I, I sent them the recipe like on a on an email. Yeah. Um, um and I, I just, and they were like, "Can you send us the INCIs, which is like the uh, it's a big massive word I can't still can't yeah. understand, but it's basically you know where you look at the label or the ingredients, yeah, label, and there's all these things that you don't understand. Well, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. of the ingredient. I didn't know what an INCI was. I had no idea. I just made this really good product. I had zero idea about anything to do with anything, to do with packaging, to do with labeling. I just didn't know. So yeah. um, I sent off the certification and the, the company were very good and they guided me through it. So that then yeah. helped me go in for a quick learner. So once I do it once or twice, then it, it's fine. And I joined a couple of soap making forums on Facebook and they're, they're very good. There's a, there's a really good one called Saponification Nation. And there, and, I know, but it's I, love, it. I love these niches. It's so good. Anybody who's making soaps, Saponification Nation is where you want to go. Yeah. They're, they're, those people guided me through. We all guide each through, guide through each other's uh, first steps. And you know, recently I've just sort of started make whipped soap, and that's yeah. been a journey in itself. And just just getting the information to make that yeah. came from us. Really, it all happened one question at a time, you know, yeah. one issue at a time. But we've got so good. Mm. And uh, like, I'm like a car going backwards and forwards here, but yeah. curious as well, you, you mentioned TikTok. So you started at Facebook as the kind of the, the main channel to start getting an audience. Obviously, TikTok has kind of way more recent. Why did you decide this was the channel that was going to be able to propel you and build an audience and, and kind of where did that all come from? Again, it's one of those things. It's like the, it's like eating the honey and discovering bees or making the product and starting a business or, you know, renting the location and then starting a shop. It's one of those things that I couldn't have avoided if I tried to. And I tried yeah. to avoid it. I tried not to open a shop. I tried not to start a business. <laughs> I tried not to become a beekeeper. And I tried not to do TikTok. Right. But I do believe that the universe, ha if, if it's for you, you can't avoid it, right? So yeah. I, I knew this guy, I still know, he's got a very, very successful marketing business. And I knew him because he grew up in the same area. And um, he'd done a few videos for us. Not, you know, anyway, he said to me, Emma, you should be on TikTok. And I worked for a makeup, a makeup brand before. So we had, you know, we'd heard about TikTok, heard about TikTok. It was, it was yeah. a lockdown, maybe lockdown number one or two. I can't remember. Maybe lockdown two. And I said, is that just for kids dancing? Is that just for kids? Yeah. We sold so much makeup in lockdown one for people doing their TikTok videos. Because they were like, we're not going to sell any makeup. But actually yeah. our makeup like, flew out because of people doing TikTok. So I'd heard about it from that aspect. But I didn't think it was anybody would be interested in a boring beekeeper. I mean, yawn. You know, so he said, no, you need to go on it. You need to try it, see what you think. So 
Yeah. I, I did, I did. And to be honest for you, the first three or four months, it was, you know, I, I just kind of threw a lot of crap at the wall to see what would yeah, stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I still do that. Like, I still wing it. And some things, I, some videos I make, I think, that's oh, going to be a great one. And nobody watches it. And then some random thing happens. And, you know, it gets like 2.8. Like, I, I spilled a kilogram of honey in the boot of my car. And I think that, like, had almost 3 million views or something. It was just Mad. me trying to clean it up. But, <laughs> <laughs> but TikTok has been incredible for me. It's definitely a poison chalice. It's definitely a very difficult platform to yeah. be on constantly all day every day and you have to be strong in mind to yeah. to continue to do it even it's, it's just becoming more and more toxic even now but yeah. i get so many people come through this door on a weekly basis mm -hmm. we follow you because of it people see you they they know you because you talk to them every day mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. become part of their family they feel like you, they know you and so they yeah Whereas in Facebook, I always find you had to list the features and benefits of every product. This, yeah, is, what yeah. it is, this is how much it is. And this is what it's going to do. People on that on, on the TikTok channel, I think you could, you know, they just believe in what you're saying. So you don't need Amazing. to do that. Yeah. You, you can sell. I could be talking about the weather and be, be you know, people will be like, oh, I'm going to go and buy some of her soaps. They look great. Yeah. So um, for me, TikTok has been definitely a massive pivotal moment for us. So. We've yeah. now got 80,000 followers and a lot of it's B stuff. Yeah. But a lot of it is my day-to-day -day and messes that I make and mistakes mm -hmm. and things that don't work out the way that they should. So, But it's been it's been a great catalyst to kind of mm -hmm. build relevancy for you and, and you can see the connection back to the business in terms of Absolutely. customers. And, yeah. Absolutely. It's one of those platforms that if, if, if that wasn't there, like I find on Instagram, I, you don't get much traction. There's not much interaction with your posts. Mm -hmm. People see mm -hmm. them, but it's more of a swipey swipe swipe. Yeah. Facebook's very strange because the algorithm's just broken. Exactly. Yeah. So I find, you know, if I didn't have that interaction on TikTok, I definitely, I definitely, I couldn't do it because yeah. it, it just there's so much other stuff that comes with positive that yeah. you'd need to have. You need to have that big massive. It's worth it, or you just mm -hmm. wouldn't do it. And uh, talk me through, you mentioned obviously you built the website at the beginning, but you've now plugged in Shopify, you've got an app. Uh, did you go and find someone to go and do that? How was that experience? Again, it's a random story. So I think I was asking a question on a Northern Ireland business Facebook forum, and this guy got in contact How many with forums me. have you got on the go? You've got the beekeepers, the <laughs> soap makers. Oh, no, no more beekeepers. No, no, not, not in that one. No, not in, the commute, not in that one anymore. But um, yes very forums are great for dyslexic people that's all i'm gonna say yeah. right people who don't like to read you ask a yeah. question you get an answer Super. so this guy that I, I went on to ask about something this guy contacted me and said like we make websites and apps and i had my fir first website through ionos and this mm -hmm. guy who had been in the in industry for years had never heard of anybody ever using ionos as a, a web platform more so yeah. for emails and urls yeah so anyway, they built me a website. It was two guys um, in Portadown built a website and an app for me. And it was very, very functional. Didn't look pretty. They're not, yeah. they're not into the pretty stuff. So yeah. I had then, I learned, I taught myself how to change everything, how to take really good photographs, use Canva, and then work the back Canva, Canva's amazing, isn't it? Canva's it's, life changing. Isn't it? It's just so I, impressive. I, 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 I thought of an idea, yeah, I'm making these carpet powders and Brooke and I were talking about a brand name. And yeah. 
this is how much I use Canva, right? So I thought about the brand name and I was just talking to Brick and I went, yeah, transparent background, download. And she went, what are you doing? I was like, I literally am using Canva in my mind because I, like, yeah. I use it so much. It's, it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. So sorry I interrupted you there. You, you, you were using Canva and other tools to make the website look beautiful. Make it look beautiful. And I've come so far. I, I'm constantly... I'm never happy. I'm constantly looking at things and how to make things look better and more impulsive. And I think that comes from my time in sales and marketing. Even just yesterday, I sort of rejigged this to make it more impulsive for the whip soap because yeah. shampoo bars sell. You don't need to have them in a good spot, but the whip soap needs to be. So yeah. that, more so with the website, I've learned how to make good kind of um, pictures, um, you know, and, and rejig it and like sort of guide people through the website journey because people don't like to spend a lot of time on the website. They need to find what I find mm-hmm. people need to find or need to be able to to see what they need to buy in the first five seconds or they'll go and spend their money elsewhere. So I've always yeah. used that. I used to work for a big chocolate company. I'm sure I can mention brands and stuff. Can yeah, I? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, part way. I used to work for Mars Chocolate. Um, Love a celebration. <laughs> oh, it was great. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> I made redundant. I've just about forgiven them, but I'm so glad that I have booked it because I now do this, right? Yeah. But the training for Mars, I mean, it was probably like six weeks long, and it was really yeah. just how to convert and uh, you know the decision maker into a buyer, and all of those things that I learned selling chocolate, I've then used to sell cosmetics, and it's worked. It's worked. Nice. That's brilliant. And. and um... How, once you get the, the Shopify up and running, how addictive is getting those emails saying sale, sale, sale? That noise. That tree. <laughs> yeah. It's mana from heaven. It is. It is definitely mana from heaven. The only problem is I have massive imposter syndrome. Mine sound yeah. like it. Oh, I'm terrible. Oh. I'm terrible. I judge myself on a business level day by day. Yeah. So September's a bad month for us because schools go back and uniforms are expensive our main customers are you know women of that age and also people are starting to save for christmas and the department for infrastructure have just closed the main road into the village that i trade in for 12 weeks so yeah we're we are quieter than i would like to be at the minute and i know it'll be fine and i know over the past five years i've worried every day on day and it's always been okay but yeah, I have massive imposter syndrome. So that ting, that ching ching or whatever yeah, thing I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. cash register noise. If I don't hear it enough, then I start to stress. I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, I mean, if, yeah. I, if I have a poor day of sales, I'm thinking to myself, am I gonna have to get another job? Am I gonna have to, <laughs> have to work to give all this up? I won't. I mean, we had a massive yeah. year last year. We doubled our um, turnover. Amazing. Amazing. And we hit six figures, which is incredible. You know, yeah. so, I know that we're okay, but I mean, yeah. the and, man and of heaven isn't as forthcoming it, it, sometimes as it needs to be. And now, now that you've got Brooke in, uh, how's that experience been? Uh, has it been very enjoyable? What's what's it like working with your daughter? We were very worried about it, to be honest, right? Because Brooke and I, you know, I had Brooke whenever I was 17, so we grew up more like sisters. Yeah. Um, I can be incredibly annoying. I'm sure you can believe that. Right? <laughs> Not at all. I am really enjoying this episode. Can be incredibly annoying, right? So, Brooke and I hadn't lived together for quite a few years because she's an adult and whatever. Um, so, we wouldn't have spent a lot of time together. 
So whenever the job came up, and to me, for me on a mummy level, especially a single mummy level, a young mummy level, being able to give her something that I didn't have whenever that I was that age, i.e. a stable, steady income and a job that you love, a job mm-hmm. that you want to go to every day, um, was a massive big tick in the box for me. So even though I wasn't sure how it would work out on a on a getting along together basis, um, I knew that it was something that I had to do and I wanted to do. So... Um, Whenever she started, it was last August, she's just had her first year. And let me tell you, the amount of giggles and laughs we have. And we just crack each other up. We laugh at each other on a a whole other. I mean, we will be at, you know, like tears, (laughs) mascara, and rolling about on the floor, you know, and just like, ah, just cracking up. So we do have that a lot. We very rarely have issues because Brooke looks after Sage and our fat returns. She looks after all of the cosmetic compliance. All of those things keep her very busy. And I'm over there doing social media and making everything and the shop. So we were sort of super skilled at our own areas. I don't want to do her if she doesn't want to do mine. So it kind of works perfectly. That's so good. Um, and and I, like, had you got like the Sage, the accounting software in already, or was she like, this is what we need to do, this is how we sort out numbers? It kind of just happened. We we had an incredible August, September. We didn't have a good September. We had an incredible August, September, uh, August and October last year in our accounting because we were a limited company from the day dot. And we probably, yeah. my first year might have been like 500 pounds turnover, but we were limited because <laughs> my dad, like, that was my dad. And I was like, why did he do a limited company? But I know why now, and I'm so glad that yeah. he did. So our accountant was like, you know, Emma, you're going to have to go that registered here. So oh, you hit that 85k oh, threshold. We hit, yeah, we hit it fast. It was great, but it's so depressing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Those, it's and also getting your, getting your head around those VAT payments, rebates, oh, it's a nightmare. Oh, it's just awful. So yeah. Brooke, all I did for Brooke is I've always promised her I was going to get her a proper desk phone. I'll get you a proper desk phone. I'm going to get you two <laughs> screens. So I got her yeah. two screens, a desk phone, right? right you sort the rest A B-trader. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of show me the honey sorry that's so crazy <laughs> <laughs> so um she she organized stage we didn't do stage until the end of our first financial year because it just would have messed everything yeah or, yeah uh, but at the end of right. last financial year sorry so she was only stage then from february onwards and the vat returns she's been able to but yeah she 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 sorted it all like she's very good at implementing structure and procedure whereas i as you can imagine i'm just it's working working. yeah so she's She's very very good that it's it's all been her amazing and then so i suppose then uh as we kind of come to the end of this year looking ahead what are you guys thinking in terms of next steps or things you'd like to focus on to kind of grow the business a bit more yeah we get and this is a a conversation that we get a lot and somebody phoned us yesterday about drop shipping and i'm like do you realize i just make i make 20 of everything i don't need drop shipping i don't need drop shipping (laughs) I just need customers, that's all. Um, so there's always this thing of how are you going to upscale, right? We, yeah. fundamentally, we don't want to employ anybody to help with manufacture because those are my recipes and I'm not giving them to anybody. Yeah. So that kind of limits us and I'm fine with that limitation. So the dynamic works fine as it is. We're going to have somebody, hopefully, to help us in the shop very soon um, while I so I can make more, but... Looking forward, where does our growth come from? It's organic growth. So mm-hmm. um, it's just selling more organically through word of mouth and social media 
it's growing the the, the product base organically because we've got so much now that there's a few bits and pieces we need to slot in here and there new different variations and discontinue some stuff and bring some new yeah. stuff out so it's more about that rather than growing the brand the brand yeah hit the brand is hit where i i wouldn't say it's its peak but it's kind of where we're happy with yeah, we're not, it's yeah. not this mad dash to we need to do something to make sure we compare rent at the end of the month. Yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. riding that wave. So it'll just be, you know, more customers, um, a, I suppose a steadier business. Yeah. Less peaks and tr less, less troughs would be good. And, um, and I suppose, uh, like I'm now uh, so curious to see how this uh, queen strategy is going to go down because you've now got way more queens. So hopefully that gives you more stock then. Yeah, well, I think that's yeah. going to be so good for us in the beekeeping um, aspect. I was always terribly worried over winter about how many bees or how many colonies you would lose, especially this year with the drought and the, the, the weaker colonies because of the queen not laying as much. There's definitely going to be casualties over the mm -hmm. winter. Um, and those casualties, because really, whenever you're in beekeeping, you're kind of phoning and going, you know, Bob, do you have any... Do you have any hives? Or, you know, you'd be buying things off, like trading from other beekeepers. So yeah takes that element of I don't know if we're going to be able to get any yeah. away because we know as soon as April comes into play I will be out there in the bee yard grafting and trying to create my own colonies from scratch so you know that that's incredible for us so valuable and uh come here just to, to finish on like knowing like position you're in now are you happy you made all those decisions of as you say getting done with Mars and just then putting the all the work aside and going into this like are you are you happy with all that absolutely i i just i just i often say i got if this had happened to me whenever i was 20 i'd be a millionaire <laughs> it's happened to me a bit later in life and i would have liked to be honest because i had 20 years of worrying and hating everything and being made yeah. redundant and not knowing how i was gonna you know and all of that for 20 years so i had to i suppose i had to i had to overcome all of those things to be the business person that i am now to know yeah what an opportunity is to be got at, sort of sought after and what an opportunity is to be rejected. So all of that has happened with knowledge and wealth. I am so happy that this is, yeah, it's almost like a dream. It's almost like someone is like, get, I've always felt, you know, a little bit in life that you kind of march to the top of the mountain and showing everything you can, you can have. Yeah. And then sometimes you march back down again. There you go, you stop, but you're not going to mess up for you. That's how I felt after I was made redundant from Mars chocolate. Because I was like, how can this, because it was a wonderful job. Yeah. And then it's taken away. And in Northern Ireland, you don't have opportunities like that. There just isn't. So you're never yeah. going to find that again. So I was always... I always felt like that, but now I've been marched to the top of the mountain, and unless something horrific happens, <laughs> which isn't going to happen, I'm not going back down that mountain. You're again. on table mountain. I, it's I flat am not yeah. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love that. I, I honestly, genuinely couldn't have enjoyed chatting to you anymore, Emma. <laughs> And like, I really, really hope the Haven is just the best ever Thank you brand. So much. Uh, the word. Uh, I absolutely will. Hopefully, we can do our little bit. Of I must here, but... some, I'll send you some stuff down. But we'll yeah, I, 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 I'll go on the website today and buy myself some. I, I just I loved it. Uh, you are fantastic, and I love the energy <laughs> and the story and all the forums and everything. <laughs> and I, I really just hope you and Brooke smash it. I love it. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so Jen. much for coming on Thank the chat. <laughs> Thanks so much, Emma. I just love that so much.